Welcome to Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. I'm your host, Tigrila Gardenia, nature-inspired mentor and leadership coach. In this podcast, I share ancient and modern knowledge from biology to spirituality about the wondrous ways in which plants can help you lead a naturally conscious life. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. It's me, Tigria Gardenia. So this, this episode, I knew this episode was going to be good. I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be this good. Seriously, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. So this is episode 47 of very fascinating conversation with Lori Baker, where we talk about natural spirituality. So this is really about seeking wholeness with natural spirituality. And I just, and we still had so much more to talk about, but we ended up having to close it down because, you know, we can't just go on forever. So it is my extreme pleasure to invite you all to listen to episode 47, Seeking Wholeness with Natural Spirituality with Lori Baker. Lori, I have been looking forward to this conversation for a while um, <laughs> because for a long time, for those that don't know, Lori, at the very beginning when I started my podcast, Lori used to help me by um, putting asking me questions. So she would send me questions that she thought were good ideas to, uh, to use in the podcast. And so now we're going to turn the tables <laughs> And I'm going to ask her a set of the questions that she originally asked me. But before we start, Lori, Lori Baker, who is Lori Baker? Yes, we always start with the hardest questions, don't we? Um, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is the, the, the Bonnie Raitt song, I am an old woman named after my mother. <laughs> but Because, um, I don't know, for some reason, that song is like one of my you know, earworms or something. But um, I, I am an old woman and um, I relish, I relish this. Like I have wanted to be old pretty much since I was born. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, and so at this point, who is Lori is like this, a, uh, aggregate, this integration, this accumulation of all this stuff, most of which I hated when it was happening. And now <laughs> it's like rich and juicy. And as a writer, which I am a writer, um, it's, it's very helpful to uh, have had a lot of um, challenging moments in life. And I, I'm also, um, I'm a student of spiritual healing. Um, I've been a student of other spiritual disciplines uh, in the past. And I, I mean, in, in the sense of I've done classes and gotten some certifications and stuff like that, nothing ever really took. Um, actually, my very first job at 16 was as a was as a healer in the sense of I was a nurse's aide in a little hospital in a little town in North Dakota in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that that's kind of, is a life theme for me, and I have finally found in in the in Dominher Academy and the School for Spiritual Healers a, a 
the fit that I have spent my whole life looking for, which. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit of the words. Here are the words that come to mind when I think about Lori. I think, I think for sure crone in in the best sense of the word, like you just Mm -hmm. said, it's like you've wanted to be old your entire life. And, and in that beautiful kind of um, that rich understanding way, because you've lived, you've really lived your experiences. Writer, for sure. Editor. Poet, because even when you write, your words sound like poetry. When we're in the writing group, we talk about this all the time when you're not around. We're like, Lori just somehow makes everything sound like poetry. (laughs) (laughs) So actor, journalist, activist, Mm. community creator. Mm. And there are so many more that I could just keep listing. I mean, true multi-potentialite in the flesh. Like you, <laughs> my um, I had a, a fairly long stint in the corporate world as a project manager, which is a thing not right. a lot of people know. And um, and I, uh, I fell into... Uh, activism and leadership around homelessness and you know it's not a place I ever intended to go but it that is uh, uh, definitely tapped a, a deep a deep well in me for um, the needs of all beings you know our conversation today that I really wanted to have was all around the idea of natural spirituality. I'm going to be honest. I know we're going to waver through and we're going to weave through a bunch of other topics because there are other things that I know will naturally come up in this conversation. And that's what I love. Um, but I, I wanted to ask about the natural spirituality, especially because now that you're in the school for spiritual healers, you've been now to Dom and her, we've talked about different experiences. And at the same time, I know you've had deep relationships with different plants and trees, even the cottonwoods, which I'll let you tell the story of the cottonwoods near your home and and the whole story around their relationship with them. So taking a step back from, yeah, sure, there is different titles given to spiritual naturalism or naturalistic spirituality, which is all a whole naturalistic philosophy with spirituality. Some people instead think of it more as a paganistic aspect of spirituality, like looking at more nature-based spirits and like Celtic and Druidic work. Take take a step back from all of that for a second. Given your own personal experience with the natural world and your deep relationship with trees and other plants and your spiritual healing journey and your, your spiritual journey in general, how would you define it? What What does natural spirituality really look like to you? It very much is... Um, on the one hand, kind of an exploration of wholeness, I would say, or a search for wholeness. And there is no wholeness if you're just by yourself and an individual trying to do every, you know, trying to make yourself what be better or whatever, whatever language you use around something like spiritual growth. It's not a thing that, that, an individual tiny spark like me can do. It requires co-creation. And so um, from our time together, from my time in NCC, uh, it's changed my definition somewhat. And it really comes down to that notion of spirituality is, is practice, it's connection, 
and it's co-creation to me. And it's not a thing that's separate from any aspect of my everyday life um, or my extraordinary life. I mean, it's like, it's, it's sort of everything to me, which I know sounds kind of cliched or, or small, but it, but it's true. And I don't know how to express the, um, the way that it has taught me that, and, and the way that, that the trees in particular, um, and, and the elements really have taught me that I am never alone. I'm never, I'm never on my own in the dark without, uh, a guide and a path it's always there and I mean I was I was saying this when we did our naturally uh naturally conscious leadership group call the other day and we were having our group call um which is part of flourishing sprouts that you you're in and you've been in for so long and we were having the call and I said ultimately some sometimes the the farther I go down my path the more I get to the corny terms that everybody uses but that I finally, that I always kind of try to avoid, you know, the kumbaya sort of love word. <laughs> and yet that's where yes, we end up. Like we, the more, I was even contemplating on this this morning as I was doing my morning journaling after my breath work. And I was really kind of tapping into myself and I was realizing that it is so much. I mean, I have had, I had a really challenging day yesterday and um, I went to sleep though with peace, even though it was an extremely challenging day. And after, you know, I surrendered all of that out and, and kind of went deeper into myself. And I woke up this morning as I was journaling, everything kind of came back to self-love. Everything came back to how the pieces fit together. So I agree with you that natural spirituality isn't only, I mean, I understand that for some it's about, you know, the divinities or this particular, or going out into the woods. It is all of it. And that's, I think the most interesting mm -hmm. part it's about living according to our own nature and and I and the own path that gets created. And I think that really is the core of it. It's like I build a healthy identity and I work in the world, but not based on something else or some other person's kind of definition on me, but more about the definition that comes when I reconnect all those different aspects of myself, like my plantness, and I step back into the fact that I am animal and my animalness. Mm -hmm. And I also get into like the sedentary part of my rockness and my, you know, my mineralness. And then I move outwards towards my divineness. And I, and I bring all of these pieces of me together, which I access through different ways, right? I might access them through a particular plant or a particular tree, um, or I might access them through to a particular divinity in that per, per moment yeah. because of all of my personalities. But in the end, what I'm really just doing is putting together through these various different elements, the complete, like you said, that wholeness, that whole picture of myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I also really, um, I really rely on what, I mean, we all come up with our own words for how we talk about what our inner life is, right? And I have long, since I began doing yoga in the late 70s, um, I have I have always thought of it as the inner teacher because when I started, I would be trying to have a pose and I would feel hands on my body, you know, turning an arm or 
repositioning a, a foot or a hip or something and that as an adult that was the beginning of oh oh somebody something is helping me so i really think about it as inner teacher but i have come to understand that that inner teacher includes um my christmas cactus which this is telling me to mention her right now <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how they do that? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny? She is uh, beautifully in bloom, though. So, you know, my God, she's gorgeous. So gorgeous. She, she's a little late blooming this year, but then so am I. So uh, she waited till after New Year's, like a smart, a smart Sarisi Christmas cat. Um, I wanted to say yesterday, just as an example of, you know, feeling that plantness that animalist uh yesterday i i was swimming uh, at the pool and i found myself at the end of the swim um i had to i wanted to i didn't want to put my fins back on so i put them on my hands and so i swam because they're just they're kind of short fins right they're not like really big floppy things and i swam as first as sea turtle but then i discovered oh no this is frog this is me being a frog and it was that sense of these you know these big webby um front legs that moved me through the water and it was so much fun and then i laid them on the side or whatever and just laid in the water for a while and had an experience as um as 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 lotus um, or as lily pad, really, you know, we always think of the flower, but how that lily pad plays with the water and the air flipping up a little bit here and, you know, twisting a little bit there. It was so much fun. And uh, I want everybody to like, go get in the water and, you know, be a sea turtle, be a lily pad. <laughs> For me, the connection is so rich there. Right. It's like just me, lily pad, divinity, whatever. I agree. And I, and I think that that goes back, right? Like that, those natural elements of, of remembrance, they trigger that mm -hmm. part of us that we sort of suppress, that we, we condition out of ourselves to, to respond in that way. If you remember just uh, recently when I was doing live commentary on a paper that was all around plant sensing, which you, you can find on, inside of the Naturally Conscious community, as well as on my YouTube channel and my website, that live commentary was all about the, um, the, the how plants, how a scientist are starting to talk more about when they're looking at plant sensing what it's taking them towards and understanding in a deeper relationship with plants but the, because they're scientists they can't talk mm -hmm. about it but the author of it is a dancer and so the way she got into the understanding the way she got to the understanding was through that movement by dancing like a plant by by mimicking the the tropisms the different kinds of movements that plants make she was able to then enter into a deeper richer understanding which led to a change in vocabulary for her and i and i know that this is a, a subject also that's close to your heart like it is to mine the whole idea that 
our vocabulary today is extremely limited. Last night I was listening to a presentation by a writer who's a science communicator who's written um, two books connected to plants, um, one about plants' intelligence and the other one about the, the eventual move that we need to make towards plant rights. Um, and she was discussing about how our language by force divides us because we describe plant sensations and movements through their technical, because we understand how things travel through the body of the plant. And so we discuss it as like the glutamates, you know, processes this way. And then they, you know, this gets sent out that way. And this goes through the, you know, the xylem or the phloem for, for a tree or blah, blah, blah. We do it in very technical terms. When we describe ourselves, we say she moved. Mm -hmm. We, or, or, you know, she, she made a decision. We don't think about it from the perspective of, well, the brain, the neurons traveled through and stimulated the muscle and then the missile contracted and therefore she reached. And like, we don't do any of that. And so our vocabulary really separates us. And I think that part of our natural spirituality is to re, I hate to use the word conquer, but I can't think of a re- Awaken? Find? reawaken, uh, you know, reconnect to our, our inherent vocabulary also, because yeah. if language is going to be our main mode of communication, I think part of also this natural spirituality is rebringing these relationships into our lives through language and that, and, and using the creative arts to really re-image this entire longstanding relationship. I, I agree with that. And I think that sometimes it has to be led by, uh, proprioception, physical sensation. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in, in the water as much as I can manage. And I will sometimes just, all I'm doing is I'm sensing the cool air on my fingertips, which are out of the water and the sensations on my palm, which are in the water and trying to find words for that. And of course, they're very limited. <laughs> They're very limited. But I almost need the sensation to drive me to try to find a, a, a different expression. And, and I actually think that this is, um, I don't, I don't know if it's, I doubt if it's new to humanity, but I think it's rippling through everyone right now um, as part of the the great change that we, I believe that we're in. So Right. Well, and in this case, as a person who speaks multiple languages, and just recently I was pulled into a meeting that um, was for the editing of some magical texts here at Delmanher. We were editing them. We were. I was being asked as a native English speaker to work with two people who are native Italian speakers, but one of them spends most of her time doing things in English. Actually, both of them do. So they're both very fluent, like in English, but they're native Italian speakers. I'm very fluent in Italian, but a, a native uh, English speaker, but people were all people who love words. Mm -hmm. And what the, the reason I was being pulled into this meeting was because, and being pulled into this work was that they were asking for us to revise all of the magical texts um, because the language, English in particular, different than other languages is extremely malleable mm -hmm. and is transforming, they were telling me at record speed in the sense that as humanity is reawakening, as more of the magic and the, the spiritual aspects become codified in or become 
aware to not just a select niche, but instead start to permeate through, then they they are very quickly, for, for language perspective, they're rapidly being codified into the well, language. And this was awesome yeah, to hear. Yeah, just in the way that we, we are using key and kin, and we are not alone in that. How many people read Braiding Sweetgrass and at least got introduced to the idea? What has the trans and non-binary movement done for at least in the English language, for us revealing some of the inadequacies <laughs> of our ability to talk. I don't know how that is in Italian. I'm very curious about that, although I don't think we want to go down that road, maybe another time. Well, I'll tell you after, because Dominer is about to have a uh, their first kind of conference on this ooh, topic on ooh. gender. And so, um, yeah, I'll tell you after that happens, because I did discover recently um how it's being termed in certain areas of spanish because as you know i'm a native right. spanish speaker so um i i have learned a little bit there but for example yeah italian and i do think that this is again the key the kin right the the pronouns for nature for elements and beings in nature even just the discussion from species to being the idea that you are you know or personhood like we're really going into this and i do think that it ties into it to the spiritual perspective, because it's really about the original term of natural spiritualism or, or natural spirituality wasn't so much about divinities and deities and all of the things that we assume about uh, the when we think of the word spiritual, but it was really more about identity. It was really much more about a almost like a natural, like what we're hearing more of eco-psychology from the perspective. It's about, but taking that a step further, right? Um, the expression through your creative passions, the integration of the shadow self, something that that I think gets talked about in a perspective that's very different when you look at it through the relationship and through the lens of, of an ecosystem, a shadow is not considered a scary, negative, bad place in the world of an ecosystem. It's considered another type of environment. And so the idea that we have always put shadow work into the negative, we've always put shadow work as something that is about looking at bad parts of yourself or when instead shadow is just discovering the other side of equality and how how it operates when it's been taken out of the light and that can be extremely useful and positive right it's what we talk about relating and exactly it's it's it's, it's very much moving um you know the beginnings i think we are still in the beginning stages of moving away from this dualism and this and, the, and, and it's so beautiful. My heart rejoices. You had asked me about the, the beliefs that we need to unpack around spirituality. And I really, I really wanted to address that with you, mostly because I want to hear what you think. I am thinking that, that the real issue is that we need the continued uncoupling from religious dogma. In other words, creed, kind of creed versus covenant. When I think about the Dominhurian Constitution, for example, to me, that's a covenant. Um, I'm a Unitarian Universalist. We operate from a covenant. These are things we agree to try to live by, like principles, as opposed to do this or, you know, you're bad. Or yeah, else. or else. <laughs> um, and I, I, I was more curious about your answer to that question than I was to mine. <laughs> 
Well, I think I think you're absolutely right um, that it's it's um, it's not. Here's where I struggle. It is religion, but it's not only in the sense that I think anything and we could use pretty much almost any example, anything that gets used in as a tool for controlling the way that you should think Mm -hmm. is is, I think, really the true breakthrough, because I have even seen spiritual philosophies that it's like you must do this type of thing. And and I think that that's the most difficult aspect of this and of what really needs to be unpacked is that most people are not given or don't take, I don't know, it's a little bit of both, the opportunity to really freely explore themselves mm. and to ch- consciously choose their belief systems which, you know, if you look at it from a Kabbalistic perspective, or even if you look at it as an eco perspective, ecosystem, I'll take both examples, but from a Kabbalistic perspective, right, you have the tree of life. Most people can imagine the image of the tree of life and it has three pillars, right? The pillar of religion, the pillar of philosophy, and then the middle pillar. The pillar of philosophy is a pillar that's very loose. It's very much based on movement and taking action and such. The pillar of religion in this particular case is really more about containment. It's about rules. It's about structures. It's about order. And you have the middle pillar that kind of brings these two together in the way that they should be. I'll give you, I use this example often. My mother travels the pillar of religion, but her religion was consciously chosen. She studied everything. She studied Judaism, Catholicism, different aspects of Christianity, metaphysics. For years, she studied a lot of different things, enjoying all of them. You know, she, she's she been told by um, uh, like priests that she should become a priestess because my mother has all these different abilities and whatever. But she got to the place where the pillar of philosophy, which was very open and broad and stuff, didn't work for her. She's like, I need rules. Mm -hmm. I feel most comfortable under a set of rules. She still studies, so she doesn't take other people's rules. She reads her Bible. She's become a a Baptist. And in a very beautiful, personal way, she does not believe on inflicting it on anybody else. She doesn't believe on pushing it into anything. She, She reads the Bible herself. She listens to everybody else's opinions, but she makes a choice. She made a choice to restrict her life and whether it doesn't matter what I think about it or not, that's not the point. It was a choice. And, and the fact that she actually made it as a choice and she's always told me, I wanted a simple, peaceful life. I got to a place where all of this other stuff, I couldn't, I could, I just didn't, I didn't want it. Didn't come. Maybe it did come from traumas. Maybe it did come from things. It doesn't matter because she made a choice to go down this path and she's very happy with that choice. It's very fulfilling to her and it allows us to have very fluid conversations because it doesn't come from a place of fear. It comes from a place of choice, of, of, of empowerment mm-hmm. for her, where I think most people don't do that. They don't choose their religion based on that, because when you do that, then the prejudices against others start to fade away. On the, on the flip side of this, I had a conversation with somebody when, when I was in Egypt, I had a conversation with our guide and I was asking him about his religious beliefs. And he was the great example of the opposite of that. He's like, I practice, you know, I'm a, I'm a practicing Muslim because I grew up as a practicing Muslim. And I'm like, yeah, but have you ever asked yourself some questions about it? And he's like, no, he's like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't question it. I don't think about it. It just, I just do it. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the one that leads to, like you said, all this dualism and separation and all kinds of different aspects like that. Well, and, and, and I mean, that even may be okay for him, but the way that it then gets inflicted on his, his children, the next generation, and then, you know, this like, oh, such such bars on the cage, my goodness. And, and that's it. And I think that, that going back again, when I look at natural spirituality and I go and I use the example of an ecosystem, right? An ecosystem is constantly transforming. I could have a temperate forest, but the borders of that temperate forest change mm -hmm. over time, right? Sometimes it's a little farther in. Sometimes it takes a little bit more space. So these ecotones get created, these spaces between the edges of the temperate forest and whatever might be the next ecosystem afterwards, which might be human made or it might not be. And so these are very fluid and moving, which gives the participants in it, you know, the beings that are inside of this to a certain extent, a flexibility of movement and of motion and of shape and of being able to explore different aspects. Certainly the tree that is in the middle of the temperate forest will always be inside of the temperate forest, right? Because it's going to be hard, but that center is going to change. But over, but we have to think about it in the sense of a tree doesn't live the, the key's existence over one life, like, or it's over a long period of time. And maybe it is true that in the, the bottom part, that is a temperate forest, but as that tree grows up, different aspects are in different parts of that temperate forest. So there's, there's a fluidity and emotion and an adaptation that's happening. And as climate changes, as circumstances changes, it could very well be that the whole center of that temperate forest eventually becomes a rainforest, for sure. example, you know, who knows how that's going to happen. And so I think that the natural world looks more at, at how does, what does my life, my incarnation right now need in order for it to live, for it to be the most, um, the most enriched life that I could possibly have for myself. And so it, it, that, it's a, just a different approach of that sessileness of you could be, like you said, a Muslim that's living in my Muslim country and I choose, I don't want to investigate it much. It's fine for me. It works. It gives me a place to be. And I'm okay with it, like you said, using the example of that person. But if I'm really comfortable with it, I'm also comfortable with my children choosing something right. different. All right, Lori, I... I I know we have another topic to jump into and I'm so excited, but first let's take a little break because I want to share one of our eco-conscious business partners with the audience. When you're looking for something to watch to expand your mind and stimulate your perceptions, there is nothing better than Gaia. Gaia offers the largest online resource of conscious expanding videos. Watch, transform, belong. That is the motto of Gaia original series. Gaia produces dozens of exclusive original series on topics you won't find anywhere in the mainstream media. The nature of the universe, ancient wisdom, the unexplained, alternative healing, and several shows on Dom and Her, my spiritual ego community. They also have award-winning documentaries and films, yoga and meditation classes, Seriously, there is something for everyone. If you are looking to expand your consciousness, then go straight to Gaia. Just look in the show notes for the link tigrilagardenia.com slash Gaia. And there you will find a whole host of 
channeling and programming that you never... You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Expected to see online. I have been trying to communicate with Buckthorn recently. You know, I have we have this mm-hmm. major Buckthorn as an invasive species up here. And um, it's my my little woods um, uh, is are full of cottonwood and buckthorn, and um, I realized that I was hating it, that I was uh, buying into what what the city says, and I thought, you know, I really need to ask Buckthorn before I decide that they're not that Key is not contributing anything, that they're just taking over. I haven't been super successful yet, but I, it's, I think it's a longer listen than I originally thought it would be. You know, I kind of thought maybe I, some great revelation would just show up because, you know, I did those and uh, now and again. So maybe it still will. But that that idea of the, the forest example you were using, you're like that the center will last forever. But no, no, it won't. <laughs> the center doesn't hold. That's part of it. Right. That's 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 part of the cycle of life is that eventually the center too moves to the edge. Yeah, and the conversation around invasives is is extremely broad yeah. reaching. I was and- trying to um, uh, uh, attach it to spirituality somehow, but I think it might be too big a jump for right now. <laughs> well, I, I think the, the part of it that you did bring up that is part of your spiritual is the fact that the end. Uh, so the other day I was in a meeting with somebody taking this. I'm going to take the example of Buckthorn. I'm going to take it into a, a real world okay. scenario. So I was recently in a meeting with somebody and the meeting was um, it was a big group of us that we were working on something here for Dom and her. And there was like a person that kept getting up and, and stating, you know, their opinion. But their opinion was like just one of those offshoots of like, oh my goodness. Like, can we just take the microphone? Please stop talking. (laughs) Please stop talking. Please realize that you are the only one that thinks that way. And that's fine. So the person next to me was like, it wouldn't it be great if we could just, you know, get rid of certain people. I was like, no, I was like, here's why it's an archetype. That's actually important. And if, if this person was asked is the next week, this person couldn't come to this meeting it's almost like uh, I always use the example of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. For those that ever watched that show, when Buffy was killed as the Vampire Slayer, it automatically reawakens a, a, another Slayer. So another Slayer gets called. There always has to be one Slayer in the world. There always has to be one antagonist, aka asshole, in the room. It's a necessary role Absolutely. because if we don't have that role, it will always just make us, if we agree, if we all agree, it'll make us think that we're right and we could be going in the really the wrong direction. So the antagonist is actually a really important role. And so I think that when you're talking about invasive species, it's important for us to approach that conversation with them going into the natural spirituality, right? As a spiritual being that has been brought and has a purpose, that has a role to play, and that for whatever reason, that role, just like my limiting beliefs can get out of control, my this role can get out of mm-hmm. control. But if you approach it to say, hey, invasive, 
what or like, you know, taking over everything. What the heck is going on here that you're taking over everything? Like you have a role to play in here to keep containment, kind of like mistletoe as a parasite or some other parasite has a, a kutsu or whatever that, that keeps everything in check. You're not keeping stuff in check. You're running rampant. Uh, or I think uh, Michelle that often talks about, what is it, Moonflower, I think, yeah. also where she lives. And so I, I think if we approach the conversation from the perspective of, first and foremost, what was the original role you came in here to play? And then why did that role get out of control? What the, what the yeah. hell happened? Well, and, and it might be an seeing the way. good qualities, you know, that, I mean, they're, Buckthorn is amazing. Probably Moonflower mm-hmm. is too. I don't know that. But um, um, just trying to see, to appreciate the the gifts that they have, whether or not they feel like gifts to me, <laughs> they're gifts to them. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they were, maybe they're gifts if they're in a lower dosage, right? The amount mm-hmm. of it is less. Mm-hmm. And so it's more like, okay, how do we bring you back into the ecosystem? Or maybe honestly, it's, I mean, sometimes the vision is way more advanced from us, right? We think in a time frame of a certain amount of years where maybe, you know, Buckthorn's thinking, okay, you don't understand, but in 50 or 100 years, this whole land has to change in order for us to keep up with what's happening, what Gaia needs. And so therefore, and I think that going back to the wholeness conversation, right? Coming back to the place that we were talking about relating to wholeness, I think there is, we have, as human beings, I think now have a difficulty. One of the things I'm working on right now as my own personal development is the understanding of when am I supposed to, what does it feel like to trust something that I don't necessarily yet see? What is What does it feel like? When can I get feel like, like you said, in my body, in my subtle body, you know, so in my aura or what is it, where is it for me that, that place, that seat that says to me and signals to me, this is correct, even though you have no freaking clue where it's going. <laughs> because there is another entity out there, which some people, for some people, it's going to be Gaia herself, right? Like the planet, the um, key self. For some, it's going to be some divinity or divine essence or source or their own divine self. Like it doesn't really matter what you use. Uh, Tasha Silver calls it God, um, but she but but she calls God she. Uh, others will use some other term. Or, it doesn't matter. But there is an overall intelligence, if you believe that there's an overall intelligence to the overall game and that I play a role and that there are entities that can see my role like a chess game 10 steps ahead of me. How do I tap in, going back to the wholeness and to what really natural spirituality means is how do I tap in to that whole part of me that has spidey sense beyond my human perceptions because my human perceptions have been like conditioned away, shortened, lobotomized in some ways, depending on what you look like. And yet yet your fundamental pattern is still there, right? And the song is still trying to be sung. We were talking recently about human design and the various kinds of people we are. And I, 
found out I was a manifesting generator. And of course I had no clue, but the thing I mostly um, have picked up about that is uh, when it's right, I know it. Like when a thing you asked me once, you know, why the school for spiritual healing? And I, I really couldn't answer you, but it was because of that very pattern laid in me that when it's right, I know it and I jump. And um, I think that there's many, many, many ways that that happens for people, you know. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think that that's it. You tie into your true nature. You are so aligned. It's the place when you're tapped into that true nature, it's the place where all of your bodies, your physical body, your subtle body, your psychological body, like your everything, right? All of it aligns. And like you said, that's where... You and my know. God, what a beautiful or, feeling that is, isn't it? I, I, exactly. well, I, I mean, I want to be there all the time and I'm there more than I ever have been, but darn, that's a great, that's a great sense. When you feel that, that line within you, just, I don't know, vibrating, I guess. Absolutely. And I think that that's a perfect place for us to stop because I feel like if we keep going, we're going to keep going for hours on this conversation. And this is the beauty of the naturally conscious community, right? The fact that we can have these conversations on a regular basis where we really break down both um, as individual elements, like, you know, the writing group when we do it this way. And thank you so much because it's thanks to Lori that the writing group really truly exists. And she is our, you know, our writing guru in that perspective to help us kind of push and, and go and continue to do and to explore this practice as a, as a form of self-expression and of, of rewriting the paradigm, right, to, to all these different pieces. And then sometimes it's through books and sometimes it's through the masterclass. Sometimes it's going to be the open discussions we have during iSprouts, our our monthly gathering that we do, or in a leadership from a personal as well as a a global leadership. So it's like there's all these different ways that we continue to have these conversations. And I'm always so excited when I finish a podcast of the idea that, oh, we can talk more about this. When people come into NCC, they're going to hear the podcast and then they're going to be able to listen more. It's it's been my greatest joy of... uh, I mean, of the last, I don't know how long, more than a decade to, uh, to find this community and be a part of it. I, I can't tell you how much growth, I mean, you maybe can see how much growth <laughs> I've experienced as a result, but it, I feel it. And um, uh, what, a, what a beautiful community we have. And I, I, I so want lots and lots of other people to, to come and it, at least dip their toe in the water, right? You, you, you never will swim without dipping your toe in the water first. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lori, for this beautiful conversation. And I am just so excited for others to be able to get to know you, hear you and see everything that you have to offer. Thank you very much. And we'll see each other in the Naturally Conscious community very soon. If you are listening in, this is your opportunity to go over to the Naturally Conscious community right now. The links are in the show notes for you to connect and tell us what you think about this. Tell us what you think about your own natural spirituality and all the various topics that we have over there for you to enjoy. Really, it is the only space online where you could talk about your relationship with the natural world, with the plant king home as friends, 
as collaborator, as mentor, as teacher, and have a group of human beings that are really looking to express a whole new way of being, really a whole new way of wholeness being. Thank you for giving me that word because I'm very excited about that. And like a place for us to really envision and design what we want that to look like with the more than human world, with the plant world, with the rocks, with all the other beings. So this is your opportunity to head over there. That's it for me, Tigre Gardenia. Thank you so much for watching this episode and we will talk again next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. Intro and outro music by Steve Shuley and Poinsetta from The Singing Life of Plants. So join me, Tigrila Gardenia, and my plant collaborators next time on Reconnect with Plant Wisdom.